welcome to the People Doing Good podcast. I'm Mariah Volk. And guess what, y'all? This is Jerry <laughs> Robinson. <laughs> oh, Jerry, you're cracking me up today. Um, <laughs> if it's your first time tuning into our podcast, Jerry and I are on a mission to spread positivity by sharing the stories on our podcast of people doing positive things, people doing good. And um, our guest today, Mr. Aaron Locks of Sonoma County, California, is the founder of the National Academy of Athletics. And in our community for many years, he's been a, an advocate for youth sports. And among many other things, he's a dad, um, community member, and I work with him in CYO. He's the director of St. Rose uh, CYO here. And um, he's an all around good guy on a mission to get kids moving and keep kids healthy and happy. And you know what? You're absolutely right. I've known Aaron for many, many, many years. Uh, he was one of the first people I met when I came back from Southern California here when uh, my mother had got killed in that car accident. And anyway, I met Aaron and we had, you know, became pretty close friends. And I remember going over to the University of Sports over there in Rona Park, that big facility that he had. And it was just amazing just because it was when you walk in the door of that big place, you know, it's quiet in the front, but all of a sudden you go start going and you hear these kids laughing and joking and competing and just people in a good mood, people getting healthy, you know. And that's what that 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 was my first experience with Aaron. And he's always been that way and he's continued to be that way. And you know what? I just wish him all the luck in the world, you know. Uh, yeah, I do is, as uh, well with all of his endeavors, huh? And he has yeah, many. Yeah. I think with, <laughs> yes. with, with that being said, let's lead right into it and um, we'll let you hear Aaron in his words, um, tell you what he's all about. So enjoy the conversation. Thank you for joining us, Aaron. And, and I wanted to, you know, today what we really want to talk about is you know, your wheelhouse youth sports and the importance of youth sports and how COVID has affected, you know, what, what changes we've had to make in, in the youth sports world. And if we could, if we could start, cause I know your backstory as does Jerry, but those listening to the podcast do not. And um, I would love for you to share with our listeners, how you started your journey into this world you now live in. Well, it all started when I was three years old. It kind of <laughs> did because my dad left. But true story, my mom drove me down to the baseball field when I was seven because I was the biggest sissy in Marin County and said, get out. And I go, what do you mean? She goes, there's your baseball coach. And then she drove away. And that was my introduction to sports. But to be honest, it was the best thing ever. Coach Islas was my baseball coach. I'm still in touch with him. In fact, we're talking about the Niners playing and things are going on and this and that all the time, taking the Giants game, the connection have been there. So that, that's where it all started. I was blessed. I got to go play sports in high school and a little bit of college and do my thing. But I left to work for a guy named John Wooden. And most of your listeners should know, but may not know who he is. But my first job out of college working for Coach Wooden. My second one was working for Pat Riley with the Lakers. My third was with George Carl and then Don Nelson with the Warriors. I left in 89 because I felt that the pro sports were more focused on selling tickets and and autographs and they were about helping kids get the experiences that had changed my life so i ran university of sports i started in 91 to 2011 and then my current gig is the national academy of athletics 
which uh, I've been running for the last uh, 10 years. So I've, I've had over 300,000 kids come through my sports programs, and I'm blessed to be on planet Earth to, to change kids' lives. So that's a snapshot. I refereed. I refereed you way back when you were in high school playing. So, you, yeah, Jerry, I am There's old. There's no right? way you're that old. You must have been very fresh as a ref if you refereed. Thank you, you very much. Me. I appreciate that. But, yeah, I just, you know, just do my thing. <laughs> so also, you know, there's so many questions I want to ask you, but kind of rolling off of what you just said about National Academy of Athletics, there was something about um, uh, your programs being implemented somewhere in Africa recently. What's up with that? Man, you know what? Uh, blessings, blessings just keep keep rolling. I was asked by the Minister of Education in uh, Zimbabwe to work with an after school program because they they found my coach's best friend program and they loved it. We base everything on what's called talk, teach, play. I can get into if you want the gist of it. Look it up. Go to talkteachplay.com. There's videos, the whole deal. But the gist of it, they they are like, hey, how can you help? So, you know, me, when you say let's do it right, Jerry, back in the day, let's do it. So we got together. Put some things together. We got the training materials. We did some training. I blessed. I found a guy in North Carolina that was going over there, shipped in the materials. He went over, and now they're they're using my uh, training materials for soccer, for basketball, and volleyball for the entire country of Zimbabwe. And I just gave it away. I just said, here it is. Just 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 because we know how important youth sports is in, in these kids' lives, right? There is no better life skill teaching tool, and that's what I did. Well, I do want you to get a little more into talk, teach, play. Okay. Please, if you will. Yeah. So uh, if you don't know Coach Wooden, look him up. Let's be honest. That's what it's about. Here's the deal. Um, Coach Wooden designed a pyramid of success, which is based on the success is the peace of mind of knowing you've done your very best. So everything we do in life, there's no 110% over the top, this and that. There is just do your best, right? But to do that, it starts with the cornerstones and how he built his pyramid. The bottom left is industriousness. The other side is enthusiasm. So in life, if you work hard, we know that's right. Industrious is working hard. That's good. On the other side, if you love what you do and you have enthusiasm like me all the time, that's also good. I think that's why Jerry and I bond so much. We bring so much <laughs> in. Right? But one without the other is a struggle. Because if you work hard, but you don't love what you do, you're like, man, I don't want to do this anymore. And if you love what you do, but you're not getting anything done, it's unrealized potential. Only when you have both, when you work hard and you love what you do, you have a passion for it. That's when amazing happens. So for me, that's where we put the entire foundation of the National Academy of Athletics, where play hard have comes from. So that's, that's the umbrella that we've built for everything that we do. You know, that's a, that's an a amazing message and theory. And, and I think that um, with COVID, when COVID took place, most of what you were doing was in-person group sports. That's, that's your thing. Right. Um, when this all went down, what sort of adaptations did you have to make? Did you have to shut everything down the camps and clinics and anything in person, you know, for a long time, we weren't doing anything. Right. How did that affect you? So, um, I've been cursed and blessed with seeing things how they can be rather than as they are. And I'm kind of a little stubborn. If you tell me I can't, I'm going to prove you, right? So this is what we did. I recognized literally Valentine's Day two years ago when this all started to become a mess. I said, this, this, 
this is not happening. We're running programs in over 100 cities and 21 counties. So I'm hearing it from everybody going, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't, we can't. So what I realized, okay, look, I realize there's hurdles, but I also know that if we don't help these kids find a way to remain active, man, we're in trouble. And those of us that have ADHD, we'll <laughs> flip out, right? We're going to lose our minds. So what we did is we pivoted to a virtual platform and we provided free programs throughout the nation. We were, I hate to, you know, pat myself on the back. The don't first, do that. CBS television did a little deal on us. We were the first. So I went to all my leaders. And I said, you're my basketball guy, my soccer guy, my volleyball, my sports. I said, I want free videos that kids can do sitting at home. And I took a basketball and I said, okay, here's drills you can do. At home. And we did the whole deal. So we did that whole free platform and we rolled it out and over 40,000 views and people just giving it away. And I think by doing that, uh, what it did is it created an opportunity for kids to at the very least do something because you and I, we all know that screen time is a challenge for them and they're fighting that right now because the biggest challenge, part of it is the activity level. To me, the bigger issue is the social and emotional and the disconnect that's happening that I don't think of all the billions of dollars that's being thrown around out there, I'm seeing very little that's going to positively change kids' lives here as well as You're confidence right. and all those other things. It's a struggle. Well, yeah, you know, the, the statistics of uh, increased depression, increase in numbers of children going on medic medications, um, you know, during COVID, one of the things I was doing was youth mentoring, a lot of one-on-one -on -one stuff right. with kids who were, you know, I had one young woman who developed an eating disorder. It was the way that the stress manifested itself in her and ended up in the hospital with like organs shutting down. This was a healthy 14 year old, you know, a few kids I was working with that were athletes and didn't have their sport anymore, went on medication for the first time for depression. Yeah. And so it's such a testament to how much we need that physical activity for our kids. So, you know, what you do is so important. And, and you and I have been working together with what's going to be finally happening tomorrow. It's CYO, yeah. not familiar. It's a Catholic youth organization that's been around for decades. How long has CYO been around? Do you know, Aaron? It, it actually started in the 50s in, in the Bronx in New York. And they used oh, to have yeah. parishes that would play against each other. And the priests would coach and, and, the, and the fathers and everybody would kind of work together and just get the kids playing. And it's, it's morphed and morphed and continued going forward. And, you know, to your point about that, there are so many people that are willing to volunteer their time to give back. I think parents get a bad rap at times because let's be honest, the biggest challenge in youth sports is parents, right? We know that, right? But the reality is that it doesn't work without them. 81% of youth sports are being taught by parent volunteers. So we have to find a way to educate those parents so that they become part of the solution rather than part of the problem, right? Yeah, that's something you know what? You that know what? I gotta, I, yeah, you know, I got to say this. I remember, you know, hanging out with Aaron at the University of Sports. What a great facility that was. And I will say this, every time I was there with Aaron, the positivity in the whole building was just enormous. So, you know, Aaron, that's what you run on, man, you know, on positivity, man, and, and positive criticism. And, you know, it's just, I'm just glad that you, that you have continued to do what you started to do because, uh, you know, you're, you have a lot of energy, man. You have a lot of great thoughts. You're intelligent. 
and you're rolling on, you're rolling into another another sphere. Okay, you're doing something here. And this CYL basketball, I remember playing CYL basketball back in the seventies. Okay. I would love to see a tape of that. Hey, listen, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to find a picture of me playing for St. Rose. I mean, although I look like a little Ethiopian St. child. St. Rose. How <laughs> <laughs> yeah, skinny Jer- and had a little apple. But Jared, we'll be able to know when it was because you and I, being in the same kind of age, with the shorts tells it all. <laughs> oh, man. Right? Yeah. Those yeah, that don't know, yeah. the shorts were. <laughs> Shorts, <laughs> right? Real short. You know something else I want to I want to ask you about, Aaron. Is you know you had you and I sat down in your office at the University of Sports, man, and we were talking about parents, and you brought up parents again. How important a role that a parent plays in the development of their young child? Because I told you how pissed off I get when I see parents and hear parents act up in the in the in the bleachers, and right. you had talked about that, so. Tell us about the. Tell us about that, man. What are you doing about that? So one of the things that I found is that if you blame parents and point at parents, it immediately sets up this this right this uh, you against them. So what I try to do instead is how do we how do we hug it out right hug it out right on your shirt right how do we hug it out and so if we educate them I'll give you I'll give you an example I'm, I'm sure my ex will not appreciate this and sorry but my daughter's first listening my, my, she may be my daughter, you guys are big time she may be okay my daughter's first softball game and mia mia's a hell of a little athlete her first softball game happens to be opening day at the rinkin valley softball right now by the way it's her first time ever with live pitching in front of people and it is like literally first batter of the season right God bless America. Now batting Mia Locks, right? So she's <laughs> right. It's like no, but no pressure, right? So I listen to coach, and coach says, "Hey Mia, take the first pitch." Now we all know take the first pitch means don't swing, just get comfortable. So I'm listening. So I said, "All right, Mia, you got this, honey. Let's go." Right? Leave it alone. Mom, who is a hell of a softball player, hell of an athlete, says, "All right, baby, just like we practice, you watch that ball and you drive it. Let's go. You got this." Now, the first pitch comes in, and I'm telling you, it was like a watermelon. It was right down the middle, <laughs> exactly what you're looking for, right? So what did Mia do? She didn't swing. Why didn't she swing? Because coach said don't swing. So coach says, all right, Mia, good job. Now you're ready. Dad says, all right, Mia, now you're ready. Mom says, what happened, Mia? It was perfect. Come on. you got to bat with confidence. Now, now, here's the lesson. The lesson is if we're not like-minded with the coaches, we're not on the same page. My daughter had to make the decision between listen to the coach who I'm supposed to respect and know what's going on or the mom that feeds her. As parents, we can't put our kids in those situations. We have to find a way. If I look, hey, Jerry, you're coaching my daughter. I have to trust you and let's let's let it ride. There's a whole session we teach through National Academy mm-hmm. Athletics on how to engage and go through the process and we can spend hours on it. But the gist of it is, there has to be a level of trust and respect and understand as a parent, you cannot make your child's journey in youth sports amazing, but you can absolutely ruin it for them. Aaron, you know, <laughs> through the CYO experience, both of my boys came through and I coached them for a bit. And then I thought, you know what, they need to experience having other coaches. And the first year someone else coached my young, my baby, Levi. Yeah. Um, 
I was not a fan of the way that he spoke to the kids. I wasn't a fan of his body language. If, you know, if they got, um, if they got behind, he'd kind of get pouty like a kid. Um, and it was, nice so, robot, right. Yeah. You know, and for me to sit there and watch and keep my mouth shut and when he'd yell at Levi, Oh God, that as a parent, that is a tough pill to swallow, especially if you're someone like I know basketball, I've coached, I've played at high levels. And so to watch them being poorly coached, to be honest with you, and you're talking about a level of trust in this and that, what if you don't have that, you know, and for me, the way that I dealt with that was be quiet about it. Don't be negative, point out the positive things. And, and to be honest with my son and say, you know what, Levi, all coaches are different. I don't think your coach really knows that much about basketball right now, but he's out there just to help. And a lot of times they're so short on coaches. You do get whatever parent we can grab to coach the team and train them as well as we can. Mm-hmm. I think you're good at doing Absolutely. that. Yeah. You know, I'll tell you this. There's a couple of things I think are important. Uh, if, I, if I'm a parent listening right now and I've got a child playing, understand this. The, the coach controls when, where, and how long any conversation lasts with the parents. And we have to respect that, okay? The first conversation I'm going to have, if Jerry's coaching my son, Mason, and I think, man, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> I cannot have that first conversation in front of my son. Exactly. <clears throat> right? So I'll tell you a story because I like stories, right? So Mason's playing football. Jerry relate to it. And Mason's first three games, he's caught six passes, right, as a little peewee. And, oh, by the way, he's got a TD. Now it's the fourth game of the season, and it's raining. We play the whole game. They don't pass. They win the game seven to six because that's what little, you know, peewees do. The game's over, and Mason's upset. Hey, what's the matter, buddy? He goes, oh, they don't trust me. They didn't pass me the ball. He didn't recognize they didn't pass at all, but in his mind. So I thought, you know what? This is big enough. Let's have a conversation. So what I did away from Mason as I went up to Coach Thomas, who, by the way, played the game, and he was about 6'8". I said, hey, Coach Thomas, you got a minute? He goes, sure. I said, look, man, Mason's kind of upset. He goes, what's going on? I explained the scenario. He goes, let's talk to Mason. And so we, we had a conversation not in front of him. We then went over. Coach got down on a knee and said, what's the matter? And Mason said, hey, Coach, um, look, man, you didn't throw me the ball. What happened? You don't trust me. Mm-hmm. And Coach goes, no, no, no. The problem was, Macy, it was raining. The ball was wet. We didn't think the quarterback's hands, it would slip out. Mm. That's why we didn't throw it. And Mason, with his little confident self, said, Coach, if you'd have thrown me the ball, I would have caught it. My dad throws the ball at me in the pool all the time, right? So the cool part is communication was there. Mason learned a lesson. No problem. It's confidence. And we move on. Coach grabbed me by the neck after and, call, and pulled me over away from Mace and said, you know what? I just learned something valuable. He said, what if I would have had that conversation before and let Mason know what was going on? Because Mason was playing tight end. He probably would have bought, blocked and run his, run his routes and done all those things. So the big part is communication and trust, but making sure that initial conversation is never done right in front of the kids. And we all know what well, they say at the 24-hour rule, right, right, Mariah, whatever it is, to make sure that we're not blasting them and giving it time so those temperatures calm down for me when i'm coaching i just make it real simple man i love green tea so if you want to chat i'll meet you at starbucks we'll have green tea away from the kids first we'll sort it out and we'll go forward from there you know what i i, I like that I, I like that approach and that's the best way to do it i wish i wish more parents understood that's how you do it I get upset when that, that parent is up in the stands during the game screaming out the things that they should be talking to the coach about first. 
You right. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's embarrassing to the child, man. And it's not good for your self-esteem. And uh, it's just not a good thing. It really is. But I love the approach. You know, hey, have a conversation with have a conversation with the coach, or you might have one with your kid. But don't do it while out there playing. Don't be that 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 ignorant, loud parent up in the stands, embarrassing your child out there on the field. Well, the and court. they have to realize, like you said, Jerry, is such an important point. You're embarrassing the child. I'll give you an example. If I'm dribbling the ball down the court, and someone is open. Right. Mm-hmm. Some parents are saying, take it to the hoop, go to the basket, go to the basket. <laughs> but the coach wants you to pass the open player or I got to I cut the ball in the outfield and I'm supposed to throw it to the cutoff. And I'm in the fan saying, well, throw it home, throw it home. And we don't understand, man. Like like I, I when I do the coaches clinics and training, I talk to some of the parents and think, like, oh, man, if you're a doctor or a dentist or in the office, could you imagine someone screaming at you? Right faster, you know, get it done. You know, you couldn't do your job for God's sake. So part of it is we have to literally shut up, let it be their journey, yeah. enjoy the ride, yeah. and trust the process. And remember, this is a big one. Mariah, you and I talked about it about two weeks ago. Failure is important. And we are has as parents, we have to be okay allowing our kids to fall down. And allowing them to get themselves back up. Because to me, that is a big challenge. Right now, you go bring it back to the pandemic. Our kids are not allowed to fail. Our kids are not allowed to fall down. It is nuts. The old uh, uh, newspaper article they had, and they showed a picture in the New Yorker. And it was in the, in the 60s or 50s. And there was a kid that had an F on his paper. And the kid was sitting at the desk. And the parent and the teacher were pointing at the child. And come fast forward to 2020. The kid has the F, the teacher's holding the F, and the parent and the child are pointing at the teacher. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> we have to adjust the way we're thinking, man. We got to make those adjustments. Well, also, I think that it's important to be aware of the fact that, of course, we want these experiences for the most part to be positive. That's the whole point. But what we learn from those negative experiences is as powerful or more powerful, and they're going to happen. There's going to be those coaches. There's going to be those parents, but you know, the kids are always watching and I'm aware of that. They're watching my reaction. They're watching body language. They're listening to the way, you know, the adults talk to each other. So, you know, the bad stuff isn't always bad stuff in the long run. If you take it and learn, learn from it in the right way. Agree. You know, coach Wooden would say, uh, kids are more in need of role models than critics. Uh, we believe at the National Cav Athletics, we we make uh, adjustments and criticism in private and praise in public. And Joe Montana taught me, fail fast, fail forward. I got 30 seconds to come up with the next place on it with my face mask in the dirt again. You know, we learn these things. Mariah, when we went down the street, Jerry and I used to, we, we invented games we would play together, right? Like we walk home from school and we, we did this one called Dodge the Rock, right? Jerry, you throw the rock at me and I throw it back at you until we hit each other and hey, go, okay, let's play something different. But we figured it out. Our kids don't get that experience anymore. They can't, they can't go down the street and do this to start a game, man. They can't go, you know, they can't invent their own thing since they don't get the chance to do that. They don't learn how to improvise, adapt, overcome on their own. We're unfortunately creating a generation of followers that will follow the program, but not leaders. And my God, we need more leaders, man. More in the universe, in the, in the United States and local, we need leaders. And, and, and they'll come, they'll figure it out. But boy, we need some more leaders, don't we? We always do. And I think that um, you're one and you're a good example. And I feel the same way about Jerry. I think that um, leading by example, being a good person in your life, you know, beyond sports is 
always a good example as well. And so thank you for being on the People Doing Good podcast because you are a person who's been doing good for a long time and we're grateful. Aaron, hey, my brother, man, thank you so much. God bless you, man. And just, I'm so proud that you're continuing to do what you've always wanted to do and that's making a positive difference in young kids' lives. Appreciate the opportunity. Anytime we can share it out, we'll get you guys coming involved. And look, one thing I want to say real quick is where you guys do, people may not give you enough information, feedback. What you're doing is so important. So keep it up. Seriously. Thank right? you. Good, good message. Keep it going. Appreciate it so much. Thank you. Well, we sure hope you enjoyed the conversation with Aaron Locks as much as we did. Um, we appreciate you, Aaron, everything you do. And thanks for becoming one of the people doing good on our podcast. Um, you're welcome back anytime to share the work that you're doing. Um, and thanks, Jerry, for doing such a great job of being my my co-host. <laughs> hey, that's easy. That, that's easy to be, you know what, be your co-host. And by the way, Mariah, hey, I just want to thank you for, the, for, for you just bringing all the different guests that we have on the people doing good podcast because you are bringing good people to the podcast and uh and Aaron there you go and it was it was Aaron's turn you know and I'm glad uh we had a chance to listen to and our listeners got a chance to listen to what he's all about and what and what he's doing because he's always positive Aaron's he's all he's always positive you know he's one of those people that's like that I mean I've never seen him down I mean I've never seen him in a bad mood yeah. I mean, I see, you know, so anyway, I'm glad uh, my man, Aaron, you know, God bless you, man. You and your family, man. And just keep doing what you're doing and just stay strong, brother. Stay strong. That's right. And, and to our listeners, thanks again for tuning in. Um, I'm very excited about 2022 and we're focused uh, locally here in our first couple of episodes, but we're going to be expanding. You know, if you know someone in your community and you're listening, please reach out and send us an email. Uh, people doing good podcast at gmail.com. Jerry's wearing a, you can't see him, but he's put three pairs of glasses on his face. <laughs> glasses. Jerry's wearing they are. glasses. Hey, hey. Uh, That's right. Because behind every pretty pair of ladies' glasses is a pretty lady. You look very, very sexy, Jerry. Um, so back to business, Mr. Robinson. Um, we're going to include uh, conversations with people from other areas as well. I was looking at the map. We had just mentioned that we've got some people listening in Singapore. There's listeners right now tuning in all over the world, looking on our map. And um, I think that positive news is more important than ever. And we hope that you keep tuning in and we will put a smile on your face. And last but not least, is there anything we need to know from Mr. Robinson's neighborhood today? Oh, the words from Mr. Robinson's neighborhood today. When I die, please change my Facebook status to it's not as hot as I thought it would be. <laughs> God bless everybody. Everybody needs a little bit of laughter, you know, but thank you so much for listening to this episode of the People Doing Good podcast. Yeah, I got you next week. The People Doing Good podcast is brought to you by Shoes for Kids. For more info, visit shoesforkids.com. It is created and hosted by Mariah Volk and Jerry Robinson. Produced and edited by Charlene Goto of GoTo Productions. If you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment wherever you get your podcast media. Follow on social media at One Good Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
Email us at peopledoinggoodpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time. 